It is in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. For what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the lost of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having any, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is from God by faith, that I might, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are um, behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if anything, uh, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. And nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us be of the same mind. Let's pray. Dear God, we bless you. We thank you once again, Lord God, for your awesome power. We thank you for the power of your word, your transforming word, your word that you said will endure forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will remain firm, strong. Your word is eternal. It is life changing. It cuts the soul and divide the soul and spirit. And Father, your word, Father God, is, uh, Father God, the power, Father, that we need in order to, uh, Father God, fulfill the calling, the destiny. And so, Lord, we don't take it lightly that you've given us this book, your word. Father, will you help us to hear what thus saith the Lord? Speak to our hearts this morning. Educate us by your Holy Spirit. Father, I decrease that your spirit in me might increase that your people sitting here today will hear a word today that will revolutionize their lives, that will change them, that will draw us closer and catapult us into our destiny. And Father, we give you the praise for it. And all God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> we all have moments in God, and I certainly have my moments. Uh, and the Lord, the other day, I was riding to work. And um, I think all of us have been there and done that. But have you ever found yourself, like, just so busy doing things? Not bad things, just doing things that after a while, um, you can become very, very routine and you can be disconnected emotionally. Um, I had to experience that. Uh, my life is so fully charged, just like many of you. We all have things on the plate, things that we're dealing with. 
So I'm driving on the road, and, uh, and I'm just worshiping God. And I have somewhat around about an hour in my car from day to day to go to work. And so I had one of those moments, um, and uh, I don't mind saying this in front of you, where I just begin to bawl in the car while I'm driving. When I say bawl, I just begin to cry. Tears just well up in my soul. And, and I was just in, in, in tears. Not so much because I, I was convicted of sin, but I just felt the conviction that I wasn't loving him enough. I, I found myself in a place whereby it's almost like I had been missing this. I have, of course, I read my Bible uh, every day. I pray. But there was this other dimension where I really felt God as if he was in my face. As it was as if he was, he was right in the car beside me, and I just could not stop. And I remember saying to the Lord, I said, Lord, this is where I want to always be. And you know what the Lord said to me? This is where I want you to always be. There is something about when you come into a revelation of the beauty of Christ that it, it really profoundly changes you. Not, I'm, not just, I'm not just talking about a head knowledge. We all have knowledge. We all have information. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about coming into a place whereby we really do, we really love him. And we feel his presence. And we feel his power. And once you ever come into a revelation like that, your life will never, ever be the same. Because his presence can be very addictive. This is one thing that God don't mind you being addicted about. And it is his presence. Being alone with him. And I thought to myself about the analogy, if you ever, has anybody considered themselves a shift in here? I know we got a few cooks in the house. I heard we got some mean bakers in the back. But anybody? A chef right here? Oh, okay. Uh, she, he, your husband just sold you out, so I just want you to know that. Um, but, you know, if you ever ask somebody who's, who's a good cook, and if they tell you they want you to taste something, usually when you taste something, you know, it would have been an offense to a person that's a good cook for you just to just take it, throw it in your mouth and chew it and walk off. But when you put it in your mouth, and if you're really tasting it, you're, you're putting it inside of your mouth, and you're kind of like, hmm, mm, 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 mm. wow, mm. this is good. Even sometimes initially it may not be, but if you, know, if you just kind of keep it down and just like, wow, this is some good stuff. You know that scripture in the book of Psalms that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Let me tell you something. When you really taste, when you really taste him, I'm not talking about just a quick swig and just, just, just throwing something down. But, but, but when you really taste him, he is so good. He is so wonderful. And it, it is if, if, for me, the other day, it was every time, every time I find myself in that place, it's like being born all over again because it's like Lord this, this, is, this is wonderful this is life this is living and, and so much of 
of the church, I believe, and, and we mean well, but, but we're always trying to get Jesus to be kind of a means to meet our end. You know, when, when you go, you can have Jesus plus and Jesus this and Jesus and, and all the other things. And, but, you know, it's, 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 we need to come back to a place where we need to teach people that Jesus is really, really enough and he can satisfy every corridor of our souls, every, every fiber of our being. And I don't need anything else. I don't need, all I need is him. And, and until we come to that place, and some people get disillusioned because what happens, we come to God sometimes and, 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 and the world, and, and we as a church, we sometimes present God as, okay, God, God, if you do A, B, and C, and you do all these things, God will meet your need. How many know God does meet our need because you love us? But, but we, need to, we need to tell people that when you really come into revelation with Jesus, you'll love him so much, you will have everything you ever need or want you know, he told Abraham, I love this verse in the book of Genesis. He says, concerning Abraham, he says, I am your great and exceeding reward. Do you think of Jesus that way? Not Jesus plus, but he is my great and my exceeding reward. Because when you come into that kind of knowledge and understanding you can deal with anything. Nothing else really matters because, in essence, you have it all. So I can take a hit. I can, I can endure stuff because I got everything I need. I got Jesus. My bills not, may not be paid. I may not have enough food in the refrigerator. I may not have the kind of job I want, but I got Jesus. And I'm okay. Jesus is enough. I want to talk to you this morning about the subject of knowing him. I believe the greatest lesson that I could ever teach you as a pastor, and, uh, and this was instilled in me many, many years ago by a preacher out of Atlanta, Georgia. Anybody ever heard of Charles Stanley? And uh, when I first got saved, he was like my, uh, I mean, I listened to him like every day. Um, but one of the things that he always preached and talked about was loving God, loving Jesus, loving Jesus, loving Jesus. And it was almost like he was addicted to it. And, and this has been years ago, and this man is pretty old now, but he's still saying the same thing. He is in love with him. You know how it is when you're really in love with somebody. Brothers, you know what I'm talking about. You know how it is when you're really in love. You can't think of nothing else. I mean, you do stuff that you normally wouldn't do. Because you're in love. You sacrifice because you're in love. You will go the distance because you're in love. You will put up with imperfections because you're in love. Do you know that Jesus really want to have a love affair with you? He desires that this be a dialogue, not just a monologue whereby you just get up and you say your prayers and you just talk to God. You tell God what you want to leave. No, God wants to take some time and speak to you. He wants to talk to you. Why is this important? And I believe the Lord put this on my heart is because I believe this next onslaught, a wave of evil that the church is going to be confronted with is going to call for a people that really know him intimately. 
I want you to hear me very closely. Unless you're on another planet, the church is at a defining moment right now. We are at a crisis, at a crossroads as a church, as a people. I want you to catch the urgency of that. And the people that are really going to be able to stand up for Jesus are those that love him. That have an intimate relationship because when the pressure is turned on, we're going to find out what you're really made of. How many know Satan is going to turn up the pressure? And he's already turning up the pressure against the church, against the people of God. The more you love him, the more you can discern his voice. The more you love him, the more grace you will have to endure. Our number one pursuit must be to grow in our knowledge and our affection in Christ. Turn with me to John chapter 10, 10. Gospel of John chapter 10. We'll read verse 10. We got a few verses we're going to read this morning. And uh, I want to share some things that God was showing me as I was meditating on this. Some things that may cause you to ponder a little bit. Maybe you've had a different way of looking at things. I'll just. And. Um, I'll just start in verse number seven, just for continuity's sake. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. How many of you consider yourselves sheep? You know, he says, my sheep hears my voice. What are you hearing today? I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief, he's speaking the thief, he's talking about the enemy, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, that they may have it more abundantly. A couple of insights regarding that verse. A lot of times we look at that thing, that word of abundance, people automatically think to, okay, here's a general thought process. Well, you know, God's going to, he's going to improve my life by, by giving me uh, stuff and. It's, it's Jesus, Jesus that's going to come and, and, and he's, he, he's just going to add to my life. Abundance, he's just going to, he's just going to add to what I already got. No, that's not what he's talking about. When he speaks of abundance, he is speaking about a massive takeover. A massive takeover. He's not talking there. He, when, when, when we look at abundance, how many know the world has a way by which they see abundance? The world's way of abundance is totally different than what we should see it as. And so when Jesus is speaking about abundance, he's not speaking about what we have. He is speaking about when you come into knowledge of me, I'm going to completely transform your life. I have come to change the whole thing. Why? Because 
when I do, you will really experience life as you really want it. Do I mean, know people are hungry? Just like kids. Kids think they know what they want. I mean, no kids really don't know what they want. You know, up to them, they eat all the cookies and candies and stuff and all day long. That's what they eat all day. They don't know what they want. And the world thinks that they can have all the other things, and that's really abundance. And for us, that's not what abundance for the Christian is, is that I'm giving over my life. I'm, I'm giving over everything in exchange. You ever heard of the great exchange? This is the great exchange. Get rid of yours, and he's coming in to move. He's moving everything else out. Now, this is radical because some of us are very uncomfortable with that. Because we like keeping certain things, right? We like holding on to certain things. And Jesus coming, he says, no, I really want to take over your life. I don't want to just be a part. I mean, no, he don't want to just be a part. Amen. He wants to take over your life and give you what real abundance means. Not as the world defines success. Because the world's way of success, look around you. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. This thing is going down quick. It's burning in flames. And we got to come to the place where we realize, you know, that, 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 that it's different for us. We have this, Paul says it this way, that we have this treasure in earthen vessel. Treasure. In other words, we have everything that we need, Peter says, that pertains to godliness and life. We have everything. We, you are rich today. Yes. Maybe not as Bill Gates is. You're, in fact, you're richer than Bill Gates right. if you don't know Jesus. Right. You're richer than Zuckerberg, the guy that just went public with his Facebook thing. You're richer than him if you know Jesus. There's nobody who, if you're a Christian today, you are not poor. You are filthy rich. In the purest sense of the word. And what the enemy does, when the Bible says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, you know, the, the greatest thing he comes to to steal and destroy from us and take from us is our knowledge of him. And what he can do to transform your life because he keep putting things there. He keep putting ideas there. He keep putting a world system there. That, that keeps us wondering, and we got believers who don't fully, have not fully embraced the fullness of what it means to know them. Therein lies that the satisfaction, the joy. So the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If he can keep you from getting this revelation, he can keep you in a form of bondage. He'll keep you just like the children of Israel. You're Roman and you're Roman. Ever learning, but never coming into a full knowledge of the truth. Look at Luke 9. Run with me to Luke chapter number 9, verse, verse 23 and 25. Luke chapter 9. Hmm. I tell you what. Keep your finger there. Go to Matthew chapter 10, if you will. When you get there, say amen. I want to hear affirmative amen. 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 Come on, amen. I got 
One sister said, amen, I like it. Amen. Watch this. Because here's what we got to understand. This is Jesus talking. He says now, verse 39 of Matthew 10. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find that. Now, does that sound like he's Jesus coming in your life to share? <laughs> no. Now, go, go ahead to Luke chapter 9. Look at verse 23 and 25. Because we got to go to our main passage here. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 25. Then he said to them all, if anyone, anyone desires to come after me, I want you to let this sink in a little bit. So first of all, the call is to anyone and everyone who desires to come after me. If anybody says, okay, you know what? I want to be a disciple of Jesus. Here's the criteria. This is deep. Let him deny himself. And how many know we skim over that? But that's big. That is huge. If anyone come after me, let him deny himself. That means everything about you that is not consistent with what he wants for your life, you must get rid of it. Everything. Deny himself. Your old ways, your old personalities. Well, this is just the way I am. You need to change it. If the Bible says you need to change it, if anybody come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross. That's a, that's a violent picture of a person dying to himself daily. How many, every, how many know that if you're really walking with him, you, you're up on that altar every day? Some of us are really up on that altar, some kind of bad. It's the picture of you just bearing your cross. In other words, you're dying to something. Every day, you have to die. Every time you're tempted, your flesh, how I many you know your flesh always want to act up? And so every time you, you deny your flesh, you, you're fighting it. Because the tempt, how I many know your flesh always want to have its way? Amen. Your old attitude, your old personality, all of that. You've got to fight against that every, every day. You've got to get up on the altar. Here I go, Lord. Cut me. If anyone want to come after me, he first, must first deny himself. Deny himself. Take up his cross and then follow me. And then he says it again. For whoever desires to save his life. I'm going somewhere with this. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Verse 24. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Do y'all believe this is a popular message? It's a very difficult message. But when Jesus says, I come now, I want you to understand when he says, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, you know what he means. <laughs> he means that, that, that you, you, just, you just need to give it all over to me. Give me the keys to the car. It's like my son, he likes to drive every now and then. He acts up, I have to give me the keys, give me the keys in the back. God comes and he says, give me the keys to the car. And I know it's a nice car. I know you like it. I want you to sit in the back in the high chair and let me drive this thing. Yeah. Let me drive. And it's scary because everything about us like to be in what? 
Janet Jackson, I'm in what? That's a number one hit back in the day. Because everybody, there's security when you have what? Control. There's security in that. But if you want abundant life and the fullness of that, you got to be willing to let everything go. Everything. And sometimes it does hurt. Sometimes you'll walk bleeding. But you're going to get fixed up. Because this is a radical. Christianity is a radical message. Jesus there wasn't nothing, uh, I've heard some people try to refer to Jesus as, and I don't know where they get this, what Bible they read, but he's weak. I've heard people say stupid stuff like that. Jesus was weak. Jesus was strong. Powerful. He is. Mighty. None like him in all the earth. He is the king of kings, the Lord of glory. He does what he wants to do. He holds things together by the word of his power. And when he comes back, everything is going to have to be under his foot. And he will reign. And, and, and understand this, he's going to get his way. But how I many know that the enemy's biggest lie is to deceive us and from getting, robbing us of our inheritance. If you knew that there was, you got an uncle, if you knew that you had an uncle that had left you $20 million. And, and five years ago, you just found out that you got robbed of your $20 million. You would be upset. Wait a minute, I had 20 what? Yes. Wait, who took what? what? Where's my money? The enemy want to rob us. He's stealing. Every time we think we need Jesus plus, he's stealing. Because yeah. the revelation has not come yet. That, no, no, this thing is supposed to be. Uh, Colossians 3, chapter 1, said that Christ is your life. You died. Now, here's the, here's the question. We got to be careful that, uh, that we don't keep trying to resurrect that old man. We died. Um, we don't have a life outside of Christ. But yet we have everything with Christ. We have life. I want to live this way now. I don't want, I don't want, how many know that if you got something that belonged to you, you want it? <laughs> if you have an inheritance, how many know you have an inheritance? You have an inheritance that is far more valuable than $20 million. <laughs> you have eternity. Don't let the dead, don't let the enemy steal from you. Don't let him steal your exceeding and great reward, which is him, Christ. Of any man, watch this. For what would a prophet in verse 25, man, if he gains the whole world and himself is destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. What will a prophet? So we know the truth, people. We know the truth. And so now that leads us to our main text, Philippians chapter 3. Apostle Paul, 
How many would agree with me that he was an extraordinary man? Apostle Paul, in today's vocabulary, was the bomb. (laughs) Apostle Paul was a brother who didn't have it together, but yet he had it all together. Apostle Paul was educated, smart, had status, had authority, was well-respected. He achieved stuff. Apostle Paul wrote most of the epistles that we read to the churches. This guy had incredible, God had put so much revelation in Paul. God had dumped so much revelation in Paul. He said, Paul, I'm going to give you, allow a messenger of Satan to buffet you, to keep you in a place where you understand that it is me who is the master of your life. Paul had a lot of revelation. Paul said he saw things he couldn't even talk about. Paul, Paul had a deep, profound, that's why when Paul the apostle spoke, everybody listened to the apostle Paul. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. That's why you and I are here today. That was Paul's primary mission to the Gentile church, the Gentiles, those who are non-Jews. That's you and me for those who are non-Jews. And so the apostle Paul, here's a man who, according to the world, was highly successful, highly successful. I mean, had it all, had it all. In fact, let's read about it. Go with me to uh, verse number four of Philippians chapter three. Are you there? Say amen. amen. Though I also may have confidence in the flesh, his own ability, his own strength. If anyone else think that he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Paul was saying, look, how many know Paul, Paul had a little pride? And he tells you that. Paul says, look, he said, if anyone think he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Paul said, if you think you were on top, I'm going to tell you something. I had it all. I, I, I could top you. I got degrees that you ain't never heard of. I am loaded with stuff. I was certain that he wanted to give his resume. Because, you know, he kept the Jewish law. And it was not easy to be a Pharisee. I mean, it was not easy being a Pharisee. Paul said, Paul didn't say he was a Pharisee. Paul said, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, look, verse 5, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisees, concerning zeal, I persecuted the church, because he thought the church was off at that time. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Paul said, I kept the law to the teeth. Paul said, I was blameless. I did everything they told me to do. I had it together. I was the man. Now watch. Yet, indeed, I also count some things. Is that what they say? Uh-huh. Loss. <laughs> For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of everything and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Paul says, all the accolades that I got, I count them as loss. Can I ask you a question just between you and God? What have you given up for Jesus? What have you given up for him? 
And some of us have achieved great in this life. Paul said that everything that he had went through, everything he had experienced, because it wasn't rooted in Christ, he said, it don't matter to me no more. I'm ready to give it up. Whatever he wants for me, I want. Whatever he wants me to do, I'll do it. Sometimes you make the mistake of thinking, you know, they did say concerning the Apostle Paul, they thought he was nuts when he was preaching to King Agrippa. And King Agrippa said, Paul, you've been studying too much, boy. (laughs) They thought Paul was nuts because Paul had went over the deep end. How many know when you really get saved, some folk will think you're nuts. Because they can't understand. But see, what happens is when you come into the revelation, you know how good he is. You understand because you've experienced this. You are living this. And nothing else really matters. Watch what he says. He says, I want to be found in him not having my own righteousness. How I many you know we can't be righteous enough? Which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Watch this, verse 10, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. Is there anybody to get up every morning and pray that? He says, I want to know the, I want to fellowship with his suffering. What would make a man get to that point? What happened to Paul? How did a man who had achieved so much, who was so successful, how can a man come to a point that he gives up everything? He counted, and he didn't give it away in tears. He gave it away with joy. Let me tell you why. Because he fell in love with the Savior. He connected with Jesus, and he realized. He got a revelation, and it was like, oh, God, this, is, this is it. I'm saying, this is it right here. He fell in love with him. That's why he said, I want to fellowship with his suffering. I want to be conformed to his death. I want to know what it's like to die like he died. I want to become one with him, and I want to feel like, I want to feel what it feels like to get up from the dead. I want to, ex- I want to become one with him. I love him. So how me know that you don't do that unless you love somebody. Paul had a deep love and affection. Now, and some of us have, have excused this to say, well, that's just for the preacher. That's for the serious Christian. I think all of us are supposed to be serious. And, and we all said that we will agree that Apostle Paul was a great man of God. And Paul was, would you say this was pretty radical? But you got to stop and ask yourself, how, would it, how did he get from there till he had all the respect of all the people, of all the community? You know, the world, will, the world will pat you on the back when you do it the world's way. They will respect you and they will honor you. But the minute that you want to stop, and it's amazing, those same folk that have problems, you know, they'll take the Bible and say, you know, they love the verses in the Bible that says, God said, love everybody. He loved me. He loved me. But soon as they take the same Bible and they read something that contradicts what God said, that contradicts the word, all of a sudden, there's a problem with the Bible. No problem with this book. You can't take pieces of it. It is what it is. You got to take it in this hole, cover to cover. It's the word of God. We can't piecemeal this thing. Certain thoughts are like, no, no. He said what he said. 
And it's amazing because I think about the Apostle Paul. I mean, I, I can't help but look at myself. And I got to ask myself some tough questions. Lord, where am I? Because how I many know that sometimes you're living this life, you know, we, we get caught up and, 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 and we just forget. Paul was like, I don't care about nothing else. Can you say that? I don't care about nothing else. Nothing else mattered to me than to do what he wants me to do. I believe that that is the inheritance of every believer. All of us should be that passionate. And yes, to the world, we will look like we lost it. But he said, if you lose your life, bam, you'll find it. You'll find it in its fullest and you will enjoy it. You know, it's like it's like what I said to you the other day when I was driving on the road. It's like, oh, God, it's like it was like I never did crack before, but it cannot touch what I was feeling. I'm sure. Because this is real. This is pure. This is everlasting. Verse 12, not that I already attain or am already perfected, but I press on. I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also lay hold of me. Paul says that, how many know that, uh, I want you to know this, and I think, the Holy Spirit definitely wants you to know this, that God has a purpose for your life. Everybody in here, every one of you, there is a distinct purpose. Jeremiah says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and to give you a future and a hope. God has a plan for your life, a way in which he want to use you. Our job is to allow ourselves to be a vessel that will say, God, whatever you want, whenever you want, will you please take my life and do with it whatever you want to do with it? Paul realized what his calling was in life, and he said, you know what? I don't want nothing else. If there's something else that come in my way that try to lead me away from what God want me to do, I reject it. I was talking to a lady yesterday, one of uh, April's vendors, a friend of April, and she wrote a book I don't know if y'all got to speak with her. And I talked to her two, two or three times. I think Walter may have spoken with her. But she wrote a book. And, uh, and she wrote this book really to combat uh, Harry Potter. You know, I've never listened or read anything about Harry Potter. But, you know, the world loves Harry Potter. And she was saying how very, very dark Harry Potter was and how the Holy Spirit had led her to write something that was totally different to, to bring forth the, the light, the contrast. And she was telling me, she said, you know, and uh, she was a bank manager and was very comfortable doing that. And she said God told her to quit her job and leave it. And she said, Lord, are you serious? Yes. She had a strong conviction. And she said the minute she did, she said everything just went. She got, boom, everything went down. Problems money issues because God had called her, you see. Now she says, suddenly she finds herself now going back up this way. Things are back on the rise. And she's still in faith. But you know what struck me with her was she's, when she believed that God wanted her to do something, it didn't matter to her. That job wasn't that important. 
She says, I left it. I left it because I believe this is what God wanted me to do. That's what Apostle Paul did, didn't he? Paul said, I'm giving up everything. I'm giving up everything. I asked you before, what is God telling you to give up? Has he spoken to you to give up something? We know where to give up our life. But if you keep living and you keep pursuing him, he's going to talk to you about some things. And you will never be satisfied. Hear me. You will never be satisfied until you find yourself in the sweet spot of God's will. Never. You will always be upset. You will never be happy until you finally do what God wants you to do. Some of you, God has spoken to you. I don't know what it is. I just feel prophetic. Something God has spoken to somebody here to do something, and they keep rejecting it. You better do what he tells you to do. Don't hesitate because that's your sweet spot. And there's grace. That's, what, that's, that's your grace channel. Because whatever he calls you to do, he's able to equip you to do it. Lastly, and then we're done, uh, jump on over to same. Stay in Philippians. Look at Philippians chapter, uh, look at the, uh, chapter 4. And uh, look at verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Watch this. I want you to listen to me. Listen to this. Listen to the word. Listen. Not that I speak in regard to need. For I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Stop right there. Let that set with you for a moment. Paul said, I have learned that whatever state that I'm in to be content. How many, how many of you are in what you would categorize as some unpleasant places right now. You're going through some things that you don't like. You're dealing with some stuff that you don't want to deal with, that if you had your way, you would change it. Paul said, I've learned to be content in whatever situation I find myself. Okay, so what that means to me is Paul was saying that if I'm sick in my body, I will pray for healing, but I'm going to be content. If I don't have a job, I want to pray for a job. But if God ain't gave me one yet, I'm going to be content. He said, I've learned that in what, is that what I said? I mean, y'all look at me like y'all don't get it. Uh, let me read it again. He says, I have learned that, watch this, that in whatever state, Whatever state. Whatever state means whatever state. I'm in to be what? Content. How, why, 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 how could Paul say that? You know why he could say that? Because he realized he had everything. Again, it goes back to this intimacy. It goes back to what he had. He realized, well, I got it all. And you know what? I'm content. You see, sometimes, Sometimes God lets you go through some of the things you go through because you're not there where you think you're supposed to, where you are, where you think you are. I didn't say that right, but let me say that again. God sometimes allows you to go through certain things because you're not where you think you are. And so, because God is more interested in the journey than it is the destination. And sometimes God, listen, God wants all of us to come to a point that if I got nothing else, I got him, I'm good. Okay, y'all don't get it. Apostle Paul, 
had a sickness in his body. He prayed three times, God, take it away. I imagine that if Apostle Paul prayed, that he really prayed. And if anybody God would hear, I would think it would be the Apostle Paul. Paul said, I prayed three times. That means that Paul probably put some hours into this thing. I prayed three times. I said, God, please. Nope. My grace is sufficient for you. Paul says, okay then. Well, you know what? Here's what I've learned. Here's the thing. He says, you know what? Um, I've learned that in my weakness, when I feel my, at my most vulnerable and my weakest point, the power of God is on my life. So when, 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 when Paul says, I can do all things. See, this, this, this is what people don't tell you when they quote this verse. Because, you know, people love to take certain verses and they pull them out of context and they hang them and they dangle them, you know. And, and, and they miss all the other stuff that, that's supposed to be around it, you know, that, that shapes that verse. But when Paul says, gosh, I, I can't do this. I'm tempted to do this, but I can't. But when, when, when Paul says that I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me, that's what he was saying. I can deal with pain. I can deal with sickness. I can deal with lack. I can deal with things not being the way I, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, for some of us, that's not the most popular message because, again, I know you believe in God. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't believe God. If you believe in God for healing, you but believe God for healing. But be content in the process. Be happy with him. Be satisfied with him. Enjoy him in the process on the way to your healing, on the way to your breakthrough. Enjoy him. Love him and say, Lord, I got you. I'm satisfied. I got everything that I need. I'm secure in you. Lord, this is what it's all about anyway. This old flesh going to die. Come on. This old world going to go away. You all, you all look beautiful. You good looking there. But let me tell you something. As good as you look. Your flesh is going to dissipate. Ladies, you look wonderful, but it's going to change. But for us, we go from glory to glory to glory. It gets better for us. See, that's what the enemy robs us of. The joy, the excitement, and just loving him and being completely immersed in his love and his grace. Do you love him this morning? Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I want you to be honest with God. This is between you and God. Do you, can you honestly say, can you honestly say to your daddy, the Lord, I'm truly, I'm truly content in whatever I find myself. I don't necessarily like what I'm going through, but I got you. I'm good. If you find yourself, you've been complaining to God, that's a clue. That is a clue. If you find yourself complaining to God about your circumstance and about your situation, that is a clue. Apostle Paul said, I've learned. He said, I've learned to be content in whatever state I find myself. He said, I know how to abound and I know how to live a base. He said, I know how to do I can do it all. And if you're sitting here this morning and the Holy Spirit's convicted you, just take a moment and just say, Lord, forgive me and give me a fresh revelation of your grace and of your son.
perhaps this is the one hang up. Perhaps this is the very reason why you haven't gone to that next level and you keep hitting this ceiling. Perhaps this is why. Perhaps. Take a moment between you and your daddy, the lover of your soul, and talk with him. our hearts God you understand our thoughts are far off Father we confess Lord that we haven't always been perfect in this regard and we understand Lord God that the enemy wants to steal the best part the, the best of all and that is Christ the joy of having you Father we want to know you with such intimacy that no matter where we find ourselves, we can still praise you. We don't worship you any less because we're going through a difficult time. In fact, we worship you even more. We are not, we don't thank you less when we're going through it, but we thank you even more. Paul said, I can be content in ever, whatever situation. It doesn't matter. A man who was beaten, father, a man that was left shipwrecked, he was hungry many nights. He didn't sleep. He was beaten almost to death on a few occasions. He went to jail. And while he's in the jail, he's singing praises to you. While he's locked up in prison for a crime he did not commit. Here's a man, Father God, that experienced your grace and said, it doesn't matter what I'm going through. I'm okay because I have everything that I need. Father, will you please help us to come to that place? We, we confess, Lord, that we need help getting there. But we know, Father God, it is for our benefit and for your glory that we love you more. Kiss everybody in here today with a fresh wave of your grace, your loving kindness, and your tender mercies, please. And let us, Lord, break our hearts. Even, Father, when we come to gather to worship we sing songs or we meditate in your presence Lord that you break our hearts when we realize how good you are and you are so good will you please help that to stay in the forefront of our minds and not allow the enemy to keep blocking us from the reality of that truth we thank you for it Lord in Jesus name Amen Come on, stand to your feet. While you're standing, give God a praise. Come on, give him a praise.